and I was like, why does crime exist? Right? Like, why, why does this exist? Why, why did this happen? And something in me just, just grew up instantly. Like I, I immediately wanted to understand all of the ills of the world, right? And how to solve them. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and DJs, for the thousands in attendance and the millions listening in podcast land. My name is Travi, and we are fired up on the blockchain. Let's go. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Are you feeling legendary? I think you are a legend, and if our guest on today's podcast has a say in it, you are all legends, no matter who you are. Today, we're going to be talking with our good friend Nadim at Nadim Crypto, the founder of the Crypto Legends and also the Bliss Collection, and as you will hear, some other future fun things. We're going to hear about Nadim, his past, the things that inspired him as a youth to be a good person and to continue being a good person as he grows uh, as a man and tries to solve some problems, some of the world's problems through the world of Web3 and NFTs. And I think you are going to really enjoy Nadim's story. Speaking of legends, um, we do have a bit of a longer interview, so I'm going to keep it kind of short here. Um, but Yuga Labs, so it's at Yuga Labs. Most of you listening who are involved in the world of NFTs know Yuga Labs, um, the Bored Apes, the MeBits, the CryptoPunks, the Other Side Land. Um, just recently came out with a statement, and uh, it's in regard to NFTs in the post-Ethereum merger world. So we have no idea. <laughs> Not one person seems to be even uh, 51% sure of what's going to happen after the ETH merge. But Yuga Labs came out with this statement. The Ethereum network is gearing up for the merge mid-September in line with the broader Ethereum community. In the event of a viable proof-of-work fork, Yuga intends to only recognize NFTs on the proof-of-stake ETH chain as subject to the relevant NFT license and eligible for Yuga offered utility. So that means that there might actually be duplicate NFTs that come out in the post-ETH merge world. Now, a lot of us have been looking forward to the ETH merge for a very long time, mostly because we're looking for lower gas fees. We don't know what it will do to the price of Ethereum. We don't know what it will do to the price, the floor, the supply of NFTs. So everybody just uh, keep your head on the swivel. The streets ain't safe out there. But uh, hopefully it'll uh, help us um, as we navigate through what we hope is the end of a bear market. So Really exciting stuff uh, coming out in NFT land. Um, if you're a builder out there or you're thinking about getting into it, um, just keep in mind, while things are low, it is a great time to, at the very least, just observe and understand before you decide to hop in and build um, or collect. So uh, always good to do a little bit of research, as our good friend Fanzo says. So anyway, 
I am Travi, and we are fired up on the blockchain. That's right. We are fired up today on Legends. And let's go to the interview with Nadim. The last time we talked to Nadim, he was in a Twitter space with myself and Duckmaster. And I think everybody was just so enthralled with meeting Nadim that we needed to get him back on for his own episode. So here is a very in-depth, very eye-opening chat with the one and only at Nadim Crypto from NYM Studios, Crypto Legends, and Bliss Collection. And before we jump into it, I want to just give one big shout out to the OG Collective. If you've heard us talk about the OG Collective or you're interested in learning more, you can head over to ogcollective.xyz, meet some of the collective, and find out exactly who is in it and why I talk so much about the OG Collective. I'm so happy to be able to introduce everybody, Nadim from NYM Studios. Uh, some of you who heard the bonus episode on a previous podcast might have heard a little bit about Nadim. Uh, Nadim was actually uh, in a Twitter space with myself and Duckmaster, and I happened to know Nadim from a group that we are a part of called the OG Collective. A lot of people are very excited about what Nadim has with his brand new NFT projects. We have Crypto Legends and the Bliss Collection. Nadim, thank you so much for joining us today. Brother, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I love your energy. It's so hyped. It's so warm. It's so friendly. Um, yeah, really happy to be here. Um, I'm doing good, man. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And being out here in the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago, it's amazing. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. It's really nice to have you. So I'm up here in the great state of New Jersey. You sound like you're in a beautiful land. Not that New Jersey is not a beautiful land, but um, while we differ as far as where we're from, uh, we do have some things in common. I know that we are holders of some of the same uh, NFTs. We're in some of the same projects. And uh, one thing that's pretty cool is I got to know you uh, through the OG Collective. And it was through some of the members there at the OG Collective that uh, I discovered uh, your project, uh, Crypto Legends and the Bliss Collection, uh, and of course, NYM Studios. And I want to talk a lot about that. Um, you know, but before we get to that, you know, you are from Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, you maybe got into NFTs and Web3 in a very different way uh, than a lot of other people. Talk to us. Uh, about you know kind of how that happened um did you discover it down uh kind of growing up was it through school or was it through uh, some of your travels man that's that's such a that's such an amazing question and i'm thinking here like how how far back do i actually go in answering this question right um you know i i, I mean I'll, I'll go far back and i'll i'll give you all of it you know um, so when I was like 15 years old uh, in Trinidad, there was a rampant uh, kidnapping spiral that occurred. And so I, I got shift, shipped off to boarding school in the UK. But something in me changed permanently, right? Like at that point in time, I went from being, you know, a teenager who's I don't know. What, what was my focus at that point in time? Definitely some girls. Definitely, you know, probably sneaking out and having some fun and, you know, getting wasted. Like silly things, right? You know, childish teenage things. And I was like, why does crime exist? Right? Like why Why does this exist? Why, why did this happen? And something in me just 
just grew up instantly. Like I, I immediately wanted to understand all of the ills of the world, right? And how to solve them. And as crazy as it sounds, like I had this dream that I wanted to to solve crime, right? And I mean, that does sound pretty crazy, right? But what it did is it created this obsession in a good way, right? It's, it's, I'm not saying obsession in a bad way, to understand how the world works, to understand what causes crime, um, and to understand what the potential solutions to these problems are, right? And so I just started digging everywhere that I could on anything that had any smear of relevance in the things that I was interested in solving. And I very quickly, you know, in those sort of mid-teenage years, just really started to mature because such a, you know, a, a life-changing event. And I think anything can be a positive life-changing event, right? You know, um, the, the worst traumas and calamities, if you're able to internalize that well, and find strength and convert that pain into strength, into an asset, into motivation, into passion, into desire, right? Anything negative can become an asset of yours, right? And and so let's focus on the financial system, try, try and bridge the gap. And there, there's so many different rabbit holes that I went down, you know, in terms of like how does the world secretly work? Um, is it a conspiracy theory or is it not a conspiracy theory, right? Um, and, and, you know, what are the actual universal laws? You know, how, what's the balance between science and traditional knowledge and enlightened knowledge, right? And, and, you know, we could talk about all of those kinds of different topics. But let's talk about finance a little bit because I think that's going to connect to where we are today, Right. And it was actually a show called The Zeitgeist that first kind of clued me into some of the ills of the financial world. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this, but, you know, really interesting kind of OG documentary kind of exposing a lot of the ills of the financial world that, you know, crypto culture is all about and Bitcoin culture and the orange pill is all about, like way back in the day. So we're talking like 15 years ago or something. And I went to the London School of Economics and Political Science and I did economics and finance, right? So I'm here thinking I'm in like one of the best schools in the world, studying economics and finance, and I'm going to learn this, and I'm going to go back to my country, I'm going to become the prime minister, I'm going to like fix everything, because here I'm being educated to be able to do that. A little bit arrogant, a little bit cocky, you know, having done, having done phenomenally academically, and, you know, coming from, coming from, you know, a background where I was taught that I could achieve anything and there was a decent amount of success in my family, history, etc., etc. Hey, I'm thinking, okay, like I have the answers to fix the world, right? But then when I when I when I tried to reconcile the difference between what I was being taught in the academics and what the sort of like out of the box or quote unquote conspiracy theory that's not really a conspiracy theory is telling me about how the world works. I'm seeing that there's like this really, really vast difference between the two, right? And so it's a little bit confusing. But something instinctually tells me that there's something not right with how the business world, the governments, and the financial system works. And so I start to lean 
that there are some fundamental problems, fundamental ills of the world in the financial system, right? And the economic system and the government and all of these sorts of things. And it's literally like, you know, a broken apparatus, but potentially more nefarious and more sinister than that, right? Potentially it's, it's, it's designed um, in a structural way to facilitate certain nefarious agendas in the world, right? I don't want to get the audience lost on, on, you know, something that may seem too far down the rabbit hole. And so I just basically decide, look, I don't want to work for the government. I don't want to work for a bank, right? I don't want to work for, you know, a management consulting firm. So I'm going to go home to Trinidad and Tobago, and I'm going to figure out how to make my own way in the world, Right? And I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, and hopefully we could connect the dots more with some back and forth. I figure out that the only way I can make significant money from no money is playing professional poker. So I become a professional poker player as a means to an end to achieve the sort of finances that I want, right? And then I start some businesses and the financial crisis happens and I go under, right? Because I'm very young in my career, I lose everything, I actually go into debt. Go back to poker, start clearing up those debts, making money, start investing, right? Using all the knowledge I've assimilated, whether it's academic knowledge or my own experience or my own, you know, pursuit of knowledge and start investing in in innovation and technology. And, you know, so jump, skipping a bit here, when I first find Satoshi's white paper, I immediately connect that there's something really special here. And it solves all of the problems of the financial system in a way that I've never seen before. You know, the idea of decentralized finance with built-in mathematical properties of how that financial system operates and the checks and balances, the, the equity, the reduced barriers to entry, um, the decentralized nature of, you know, m- measuring integrity of the chain um, and, and all of these sorts of things, right? Low costs, um, you know, transact with anyone without borders. And, and I just see this as like, wow, this is like the biggest revolution I've ever seen. And I guess, you know, instantly understood because of the backdrop of both the secular education in economics and finance and the jumping down the rabbit hole in all of the other side of how the world really works, that you're not really taught in in TV or in mainstream media, I instantly understood that Bitcoin was something extremely special. I mean, I mean, I'm listening to you, and I don't think that you need to necessarily, you know, connect the dots. I think you laid it out perfectly—a linear progression of events that happened in your life. I mean, you saw some darkness. And, you know, truthfully, it sounds like you wanted to be the light in the world, you know, that that you thought that you needed. And it's nice to see you now trying to shine the light uh, and be the light for others. And it's interesting, like some people do go into law enforcement or become detectives or, you know, somebody like me who, I don't know, likes Batman and gets a Batman tattoo and thinks that that's solving, you know, crime out there. And it does seem like you put a lot of thought and reflecting into your past. And it's interesting because, you know, not everybody... You talk to who's you know involved in crypto or Web three and NFTs looks really back 
on the past. So it's really interesting to kind of see how you pull from your past in order to now, you know, bridge the gap. And now, uh, obviously, you're, you know, founder of your own studio. So you've traveled a little bit. You played some poker, you know, try to clear up some debts. And you saw Zeitgeist. Yes, I do remember Zeitgeist. I think it was the early 2000s. A, a bunch of friends uh, were all arguing about it all the time, of whether they thought it was true or not. But, but yeah, so, you know, you started to kind of look at the world and, and see it through a different set of eyes than maybe you did when you were younger. And you started to kind of say, okay, I need to make some change. And it makes sense is how you started to look at crypto. You wanted to kind of do things your own way, find a bit of a more decentralized approach to it. So tell us a little bit about how you kind of bridged the gap from that to then starting your own studio. Definitely, definitely. Great question. So I'm going to circle back on some things you touched on and then I'm I'm going to get back to this, right? So it, it, it's phenomenal that you said that you're a huge Batman fan because, you know, Batman has been so fundamental for me. And, you know, there's something in there that that I'll never forget, right? And, and I can't remember the scene or who said it, but it was and – and I might paraphrase it. I don't want to butcher it. But revenge is what makes you feel better and justice is what leaves society in harmony. And that is such a, like, it, that's so powerful, right? If we could all think about how we want to make the world a better place, just from that simple quote, right? You know, like if it's about you feeling better, it's, it's coming from a place of revenge. If it's about society having a future of harmony, that's the kind of justice that we want to pursue. And that was so powerful. And, and I connect in so many ways so deeply um, to, to, to Batman and that whole Bruce Wayne story. And, you know, I don't want to I don't want to say too much about me, um, uh, but there, there's so many parallels there. And, you know, just diving down the rabbit hole a little bit. Um, I had proper, um, you know, undercover people infiltrate almost every layer of Trinidad and Tobago to understand different things that I wanted to understand. Um, and I, I really mean like every layer, right? Whether I, I did some of it or other people did some of it, I'm not going to get into details that make this problematic. Um, the entire Latin America and the Caribbean is a mafia region, right? That That's just a reality. That hasn't changed, right? From Mexico, come all the way down and, and, and the Caribbean as well to different degrees, right? And what I realized is the entire older generation is almost entirely complicit when you talk about government and when you talk about big business, right? And so, like, where do you even begin to try and change something like that, right? And, and like, you're talking, because I come as well from, you know, a, a fortunate background in my region, you're talking like, I know everybody, right? You know, it's like, where do you even begin, right? When, when you start to try and decide, okay, I'm going to try and clean this up. I'm going to try and fix some of these problems. And then you have a totally broken justice system. You have, you know, a totally corrupt police force, a totally corrupt military and I'd even go to say that this is not different in other places, right? Even big first world countries. but And the whole deep state and, you know, all of that. But we're not going to go on that, right? So a lot of connections there in terms of, you know, Batman and, 
you know, of course, that's just a movie. But there are a lot of things about that 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 are, you know, very similar to the real world. And I think about, like, the arrow as well, you know, very similar to the real world in many different things. And, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? And so when you're dealing with, you know, the power to, to literally do whatever you want because you've got that much money or you've got that state power or that, you know, police power, military power, and, and we're living in a world that morality has fallen to, to, to zero, right? I mean, there's almost no morality right now. In addition to the fact that, you know, um, before there was sort of universal norms or morality that have, quote unquote, disappeared. So you combine that with the excessive wealth, technological power, military power. Um, it's just a recipe for disaster, right? And, and so I think we are seeing a degree of anarchy and, and chaos um, in the world today, right? Okay, so moving on from that now, okay, how did I get into NFTs? So after I started investing, I decided to also teach it, because I, I, I always wanted to make an impact in the world. It's, it's so deeply rooted in the way I was raised, you know, as a, as a very spiritual um, Sufi traditional Muslim. Now, people will say that how, you know, like Sufi is a type of Muslim. It's not, right? It's just um, a Muslim that has that traditional Islam intact um, after, you know, what happened 100 years ago where the Muslim world was conquered and then a lot of things changed based on that whole dynamics of things. And I think a lot of, you know, the Sufi traditions just have a very intact traditional very soft, very heart-driven, very um, meditative, um, you know, approach to Islam, right? Which is traditional Islam, in my view. And and so I was raised with this very deep upbringing of purpose and love and kindness and respect and gratitude. And I was also, you know, I mean, I didn't want to make this about, you know, tell too much about, you know, uh, my family background, but my father is an absolute legend in the Caribbean, and he's so inspirational that he just made me believe, and all of my brothers, and so many other people that he interacted with, that you can do anything you believe in, and 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 it really was just part of my DNA growing up and, and looking at him, and just believing that. Anything is possible. Yes, I might be brown coming from the third world, but we didn't grow up with any of those chips on our shoulder. Literally just because of him, right? Because because he was so inspirational and, and so powerful in his, in his presence and his intellect and his charisma and his life achievements, right? That, that we just believed anything was possible, right? So... Getting back into, you know, all of this. So I started teaching because I really wanted to take the knowledge that I had and I wanted to impact the world. And I figured that, you know, the easiest way I could do this was to teach because, you know, whether it's, it's awakening people or whether it's, you know, getting them orange pill or just educating them about their finances because financial literacy, you'd be surprised how many really intelligent people that don't have you know, basic financial literacy 
basic money management skills, basic investing skills. So I saw this as a way I could, I could really contribute. And so NYM as a community became a sort of alpha community around financial markets. And I would even say that we actually educated other um, people that have now built their own communities around financial markets, crypto, NFTs, all of these sorts of things, right? During the last cycle, I got fed up of trading because I said to myself, look, you know, I'm a dad, I have two kids, and I don't like this lifestyle. You know, this market is 24-7, and I want to have a different lifestyle, right? I want to have a much more zen lifestyle. I want to get into, you know, living off the land and farming, and I want to do a lot of, you know, solitude and spiritual retreats and a whole bunch of those kinds of things. And I want to have a really balanced family life. And I couldn't do this, you know, trading futures and derivatives and YOLO 100X. Like it, it was just like the polar opposite of the lifestyle that I wanted to have, right? So I just said, like, I want to build, right? And there are many different things that I wanted to build. And, you know, there's some other projects that we're working on that are also very aligned with my mission in life. Let's talk a little bit about the NFTs in the studio now. It's so funny because we align on so many things from from having two kids to understanding uh, why Batman is an important fixture in our life uh, to even being a teacher. I mean, I taught for 15 years. I worked with kids far, you know, far before that and everything, coaching. And uh, it's it's really interesting or maybe either I'm the American version of you or you're the the Caribbean version of me. I'm not sure. And there's something about, you know, NFTs that really kind of makes you want to think about community a little bit more. You know, it's a little different, like you mentioned, than the kind of crypto bro sort of trading, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> craziness of, of that world. I've told the story a few times. One thing that actually helped to transition me from, I guess, normie life to uh, understanding more about crypto and NFTs is that my wife is a prominent realtor in northern New Jersey. And when I joined her real estate team, I got certified in uh, something called crypto certified realtor. So that meant that uh, it just told buyers, hey, I understand crypto. If you want to buy a house using crypto. But it also uh, showed me that you could sell a home uh, as an NFT and have it stamped on the blockchain, which gave me like, wow, you know, kind of it, that that really was like my eureka moment. So um, that really kind of showed me, okay, like these NFTs are, you know, more than just a picture. And I've told a lot of different stories about uh, how I view NFTs as, as use cases and stuff. But, you know, I started kind of building my daughter's wallets and um, started to collect some of uh, the female-led projects. And I actually met you, I think, first in Crypto Chicks. And um, I was happy to see, I know that you're coming out with different versions in your um, Crypto Legends, but your first drop was all female. And um, I'm happy to say I was able to grab um, one of those and a Bliss collection and have those uh, both in my daughter's wallet. So it's, it's really cool. And also having gotten to know you, and we have a lot of mutual friends through the OG Collective. And, uh, you know, I think these days it's more important than ever to know who a project founder is, um, know some of the members on the team. You know, you can't just kind of go in and you know, see somebody named uh, OX Ghost and uh, think that that they're going to be like representing for you as as one of the holders. It's just not like that. And I kind of wish I had that that outlook, 
you know, a, a while back um, when I was just getting some rugs. But I guess that's, uh, you know, an indoctrination I think a lot of us sort of have to go through. But I do think it's great that everybody's getting a chance to know you and, and meet you a little bit, uh, getting to understand your background, where you came from, um, getting some of that gusto from your dad. Props to your dad, by the way. Um, you know, not backing down. I mean, that's the kind of founder of a project that you want to invest in. And uh, I know that there's a lot of people who believe in you, um, you know, not just as a project founder, but, you know, as a person uh, who just doesn't know the word quit. So talk to us a little bit about kind of the bridging that gap and, and what that's like to go from, you know, just a person who's traveling, paying off some debts, and then uh, you know, making your way into sort of that digital world. And, and now you're a founder. The NFT journey, you know, at first I was a skeptic, right? I was like, this is a liquid. Um, you know, I was, I, I was just skeptical. There were, there were too many issues. Um, it was like, you know, this, this is not going to end well for so many, so many situations. And I mean, I guess a lot of that's kind of true, right? Um, but at some point along the journey, I saw something very special. What I saw that was special is I saw crypto going from a financial product or a technological product to a consumer product. And that was like a eureka moment that just blew my mind. And I, I couldn't really find enough people to talk to about it because like my OG circle was like still at that point of like skeptic, skepticism or you know, just being against it, thinking it's, it's absolute nonsense. So I really couldn't find many people to speak to about it, right? But I had this eureka moment and, and I felt like, I don't know, it's like you, you feel like you discover gold and just want people to talk to about it, but I didn't have many people to talk to about it. And, and that's such a powerful thing when an ecosystem creates a front-end consumer product. And when I got that... I just became totally, totally obsessed with NFTs and all about NFTs. Not to the extent that I was naive about the rampant failure rate that you will always see in new disruptive trends in technology. I, I was, I'm, I'm never going to be naive about those things, right? I'm always going to be objective and clinical when it comes to my analysis. But I knew that this was an opportunity to do Ethereum and Bitcoin returns all over again. And, and that's what's so fascinating about crypto, right? You have that opportunity. And I also knew it was an opportunity to disrupt a whole bunch of other industries, improve a whole bunch of people's lives, right? And, and just make the world a better place. So I decided to dive really deep into this. And I started off on Nifty Gateway. And I mean, I collected Beeples. I collected FEC Render. I collected PAC, um, Fiocius, um, you know, uh, who else? Boss Logic. I mean, everything from that kind of OG kind of Nifty Gateway days, right? I collected that, sold a lot of it since, um, you know, sold some of it at decent prices as well. And then, I, unfortunately, I, I, I got frustrated with the lack of liquidity in, the, um, in that sort of, you know, sort of like the OG art, art phenomenon in NFTs. 
So when the Avatar thing came out, I was I was kind of frustrated and I missed the early wave of that. But eventually I got over that and I realized, wait, you know, there's something really special about this Avatar profile picture movement that's going on, right? First of all, it's much more of a business. There's defined scarcity. There's focus on community. And so being a crypto guy and understanding, you know, Bitcoin 101, I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense as well, right? And this is very interesting. And then getting into, you know, Lazy Lions the first week of, of its mint, um, getting into World of Women, you know, very early on, getting into Crypto Chicks. I bought Crypto Chicks like, you know, point one and point two. Um, this was before it had the big run, Boss Beauties. Um, got into Board Apes late, but I mean, late was still early, right? I got in in like the low teens as the flow in terms of Ethereum. Um, uh, you know, and many of the, you know, key things in the space, fluff world, um, and made those recommendations for our community as well. So, you know, many different people would have, would have benefit from that and, and basically realize that this is something really special. And given my history of being able to find winning altcoins that's, that's greater than 95% in terms of recommendations to my community, and stocks is almost 100%, to be honest with you. Uh, day trading is greater than 85%. In NFTs, I'm something like above 75%. Granted, a lot of these things are down now, but I still think I pick medium-term winners. Um, and I, I, so I basically figured, okay, look, you know, we could do something special here. And, you know, NFTs, gaming, metaverse... These are some of the new disruptive trends that have the power to really expand the circle of influence of this ecosystem for the better in the world, in addition to, to, to make people a lot of money, right? Um, and, and I also want to grow my wealth and my kids' inheritance. So that's, that's my investing story. Now, let's talk about the building story, the legends, the bliss, you know, and what we're doing at this studio. Yeah, I want to hear so much more. Um, but it's funny that the more you tell your story, the more I feel like we can do like an entire season on uh, on the story of Nadim here on our podcast. But you know, one thing that I'm thinking too is like if you thought you were late to some of these projects, I don't even know where I would where I am. Like, like, I'm sure a lot of listeners are probably thinking the exact same thing. They they'd like to be as late as you were to to board apes. But, but it's definitely a sign that you've been a part of this uh, and you plan to be a part of this for the long haul. So speaking of long haul, let's talk a little bit more about Crypto Legends and uh, the Bliss Collection. The thing is, there's never been a bear market since we had this first wave of the NFT adoption. So nobody knows what it looks like, right? It's not like there's a history of people knowing it's going to bottom and it's going to make a new high. So anytime you have a situation like that, and we kind of have to think through the first Ethereum bear market, the first Bitcoin bear market, the you know, first major NASDAQ bear market, that, that period of like despair and depression and you know, the, the drawdown from the highs is going to be the most significant ever, right? And, and I think that's what we're experiencing in addition to the fact 
that there is a lot of really weak stuff out here in the NFT ecosystem, right? And yesterday, I, I, I made this point that markets are not priced based on total supply or market gaps. They're priced based on the margin of volume that's trading, right? It's, it's like, it's, it's the volume on the margin that's really dictating that price. So if you have a 10K collection, a lot of these collections even smaller than 10K, what's the volume that's actually trading that's determining that price, right? You, you literally have like, in any given D, a 10K collection might have 0.2% trading that's actually determining the price. How insane is that? That that's your, like, imagine if that was a democracy and 0.2% was voting to determine the election, right? It's so skewed from what reality should actually be. And that's why these NFTs collections have the ability to do 100x, 500x, 1000x, but at the same time, they have the ability to just spiral downward and downward and downward. But eventually, when you get to a price, you know, that people are just going to say, like, why am I selling this? Does this really do anything for me liquidity-wise? Um, and, and I think we're pretty close to that on many collections. You know, maybe board apes, you might say, okay, like, I could sell this. It does a lot for me on liquidities. Do you really want that liquidity versus, you know, the upside of holding this? And then now people decide as well, well, look, you know, it's really cheap. Maybe I want to I wanna buy here and make, make an investment um, or collect or whatever the right terminology is. So I think we're really close to the bottom in a lot of the solid projects that are going to last. And when that starts to work in favor of the bulls, that it's less than 1% of the collection on average trading in any given day, I think it's something like 0.3% or 0.4%. These prices could rise like literally to new highs way faster than anyone's expecting. And so I think the, the understanding from the NFT collectors of how these markets are going to work, how they're going to bottom, how they could rise, I think it's just not there because it's the first time we've had this, this bear market, you know? And so I am extremely positive about buying at these prices and what the future is going to be like in solid projects in terms of what they can do um, for these communities and also in terms of the wealth that can be created, right? Now, finally getting to talk about Crypto Legends and about Bliss. I am all about beauty in the world, right? So absolute love for nature, Love for positive music, um, you know, love for enlightenment and, and wisdom and all of these sorts of things. And I didn't really see that in, in any of the art, right? I saw modern trends. I saw fun stuff. I saw, you know, very artsy stuff, which is all wonderful. And I've come to really appreciate you know, it's phenomenal. I've come to be such an appreciative and open-minded person having spent, I was always that way, but just, you know, even more and, and question my values a bit as well. Not to the extent that I'm going to abandon my values, but just really question things that I had concluded on previously. But in any event, I wanted to create this very powerful, very beautiful, very pure, very positive art. And so Crypto Legends is our profile picture collection, and it's, it's about that. It's about power. 
it's about purity, it's about strength, it's it's about being legendary and, and timeless knowledge and wisdom. And there's a really interesting write-up on this story about how you become a legend and all of the source attributes like love and faith and kindness and warmth and strength. And so each legend has these source attributes. And then Bliss now is basically taking all of the beauty of the natural world and creating that with some poetry, with some interesting backgrounds and ideas and creativity. And so those those are basically, you know, the top level what our two collections are about. What I think is really special is we realized two things. One, we're not going to be able to sell the amount of art that other people sold in the bull market, right? Like that's just a given. So we created a, a much more tailored supply and demand model so that we could have a stable ecosystem. So I told everybody, our floors are not going to drop below mint, right? It's just not going to happen, right? Because of the, the ecosystem stability model we have and because of the fact that we are going to market make and create an OTC desk. So if anyone needs exit liquidity in our collections, it's going to happen in an orderly fashion and you don't have to worry about this just falling apart overnight, right? And those promises were made on those promises were kept. So, you know, Crypto Legends minted at 0 0.09. Um, you can now exit at 0.15 through our OTC desk, right? And Bliss minted at 0 0.045. You can now exit at 0 0.05 through our OTC desk. But a lot of, almost all the Legends holders, they got a free Bliss. So they're actually up over 100% in a collection that they have full liquidity to exit at any point in time, Right? And so I think that's one of the things that's, that's interesting. You know, our tokenomics and our ecosystem stability principles, in addition to the fact that, and I won't say it, but a lot of people have said that they think our art is really special, really beautiful, and, and powerful, and they connect with it deeply. You're also in, a, in an ecosystem that has really good economics, and, and it's sound, and it's solid, and we're maintaining our promises in that sense, right? Then in addition to that, we make such an effort to get to know every single collector and, you know, get to know what, what their journey is. Are they involved in a project? Are they an artist? Do they run a business? You know, what are they interested in? And how can we deliver value as a community for them? I'm hopping on the call. Um, I'm hopping on the phone doing calls with people you know, is there anything you need advice about? A lot of small artists want to discuss the economics of their pricing. They want to discuss marketing. You know, so even though it's it's a tough market to grow something big, I believe that once you deliver utility for your community and for your holders, most importantly, and you keep people happy, that's going to build such a solid brand that once you keep creating art, you keep building, you keep delivering on your promises that we're going to be here to stay. The other thing that's unfortunate but was absolutely necessary is I had to financially restructure our project to be able to last the economic conditions that we are in. So, you know, that we, we had to downsize our team somewhat. But I think that's the right move 
because I need to ensure that I could meet all of our promises. And I can only do that if I run a prudent financial ship. And, you know, I'm not someone that, that, that likes to quit. Like you said, you know, I, I don't have quit in me, right? It's just, it's just not part of my DNA, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a little bit about it. I mean, I'm really excited as well about one some of the new work that you said is coming out. So we have male legends coming out because, you know, of course, being a legend is not gender gender specific, right? If you have deep inner purpose and inner light and you're here to change the world, that's not specific to your gender. That's not specific to your race. That's not specific to, you know, your nationality or any of these sorts of things. Um, that's just, you know, your soul and your heart deep within and manifesting those realities. And we've also recently started playing with the AI work. And, you know, what's really interesting about that is the the ability to create raw work that's not finished. I don't think AI work on its own is, is something that aligns with our brand quality. But creating a lot of raw work via AI with different ideas, different concepts, different vision... And then getting our artists to finish that. And it also allows us to target different price points. Because, of course, you know, 0 0.09, 0.15 is, is considered a high price point in these market dynamics. By having, you know, a, a wider collection of this combination between AI and artists finished work, we're able, because I don't want to devalue crypto legends at all, right? Uh, you know, that's, that's a powerful brand. It's a powerful, um, you know, holder base. And whilst I'd like to get a lot more holders, I'm not lowering the price of that and, you know, sabotaging or cannibalizing, um, you know, the everybody's assets and everybody's, you know, stake in that. I'm also not going to do it with Bliss. So the only option here was to create something new that I could, you know, um, it invites a lot more people that may not cannot cannot afford, you know, as higher price point. And even in that, we're going to have a sort of curated collection that will be at a higher price point and a sort of playground collection that will be at a lower price point. Well, I, I love all that. Um, if I could kind of sum up everything that you said into one word, I think the word would be thoughtful. I mean, the symbolism uh, behind the meaning of the projects and the art um, is, is pretty incredible. And just the kind of foresight that you put in, you know, to give people a way to liquidate if absolutely necessary. I mean, you see some projects lately that have been coming up with different ways of doing that. Like we know a Bulls and Apes did a money back guarantee uh, if they met, you know, the holders met certain uh, qualifications and uh, heard of some other projects that um, kind of burn the tokens if they're priced like below the floor. But it's really unique that you actually have sort of a process in place, a very orderly process that goes kind of through like a help desk. Um, I think that's pretty rare uh, in this space. So, you know, props for that. I'm certainly not suggesting anybody goes to, you know, liquidate any of their uh, crypto legends or anything like that. 
But you do see so many projects that kind of uh, start off like startup companies, you know, where they'll they'll collect the proceeds from the mint of the the project, and then uh, maybe they'll put it in uh, to the project. Hopefully, they put it into the project and build it more. Uh, and and sometimes they don't, and it does not work out for the best. But you know, you do have a system in place, and you do have some future things coming up. Tell us a little bit more about what you might be having coming up and uh, some of your future drops. It's so diverse. There's like traditional styles in there. There's abstract work in there. There's, you know, modern themes. There's, there's um, you know, crypto culture. There's, you know, movie culture. There's music culture. Um, there's, there's everything under the sun in there, right? Because in AI, you can take like any idea you have and just start plugging away at it, people underestimate AI, right? AI is not that easy to actually get the kind of finish you're looking for, right? So, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to devalue that I think we've become very savvy. You know, I, I think a lot of artists were kind of thrown off by the fact that, you know, within my first couple of days in AI, I, I was creating some really amazing work. But if you understand how my brain works... Um, you know, I, I could have easily been a coder, right? I'm really good at mathematics. I'm really logical. I'm very fast at problem solving. Um, a lot of these kinds of things. So, you know, AI, AI creation is, is to some extent built for me. And in terms of like vision and creativity, I have, you know, I have that stuff on demand, right? Like I don't need to, to, you know, be in a mood or have inspiration, you know, if I want to do something, it's, it's just like it's a tap. I can just turn it on and turn it off. So I was able in a very short space of time to get really good at AI and then teach the rest of my team how to do it. And because we also have some really good devs on our team, you know, they assisted us as well in understanding the AI. And, and we just like literally went with every idea we've ever had, um, you know, in a very logical, structured way going through every art style, everything important in history, everything important in culture, every single theme. And we're building almost like an encyclopedia collection of our favorite stuff that we created, you know, of of everything under the sun in that library. Um, and, and I mean, I don't want to give away much, but it's so exciting to me. And, and my artists every day when we share stuff, we're just having so much fun with the stuff that we create because it's it's so interesting, it's so creative, it looks so much fun, it's so cool. And because we're creating a lot of it pretty quickly and there's no additional cost to it, um, we can actually, you know, make it really affordable. So I think it's super interesting. And then the male ledger, you know, is 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 looking, I mean, so good. Um, and, and I think it's going to be really exciting. And we know like 80% of the space is male. So, you know, um, it's, it's kind of cool that we, we get to actually give something um, for the men, right? Uh, you and I are men, you know, um, and, and, and so many others. And we did not intend to launch Legends without the male. But it just so happened that the female had taken us a lot longer than expected because we just kept fixing, fixing, iterating, perfecting. Um, and then so we just decided, okay, well, let's, let's launch a female first. And then we'll launch a male after, you know. But there was definitely not a plan to try and project ourselves 
in any way on on a on a trend of you know trying to project ourselves as a fan project or any of those sorts of things. Uh, you know, funny enough, our community is eighty percent women. Um, again, that was not something that that we designed, but it just happened that um, I connected really well with a lot of women, you know, in Twitter DMs and, and became friends. Um, I, a lot of my male connects are my personal friends or the OG collective, right? But I guess, you know, when you're kind of DMing random people on Twitter, for some reason, like, women take a lot better to me than men. And so we created, you know, this this majority female community, most of which are super talented artists, in addition to, you know, our first iconic work, was uh, a female avatar. But we are very much about being gender neutral. And we are very much about, you know, families. And, you know, for, for us to really have harmony in the world, men and women need to both, um, you know, progress and have their needs fulfilled. And domination of either sex is probably not going to solve the problems that we're trying to solve, you know? Yeah, it's really great to see you and your project kind of representing for everybody. Uh, I mean, yes, of course, there's there's a lot of males in this space. You and I are, are, you know, have a lot of mutual friends in the space who are male. But I've also connected a lot with the females in this space. You know, that female perspective really kind of helps to kind of give a, a bit more of a, a worldly sort of approach uh, to even my decision making. And uh, actually, a lot that I come across um, are brilliant. A lot of them uh, that I've worked with, like M and Maddie, the CEO and COO at Crypto Chicks, is, it's it's super cool to be able to be in meetings with them. And I always learn so much. So. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, maybe it's also too from like having uh, two daughters to growing up as a big brother of a couple of sisters to having a single mom. Uh, so I, I relate with you um, to that as well. Another thing that I really like too that what you're doing is, you know, you're, you're providing value already to your existing holders and you're, you know, coming out with more and more and more. But what's really been interesting is how you keep in touch with your community. I mean, I, I've seen that you've got, you know, not only Discord, but you've got kind of personalized. I know you reach out to members on an individual basis. You also highlight them. I've I've actually read kind of some daily highlights. You've sort of even interviewed them and put them out on, on Twitter um, as holders and kind of highlighted them as like a profile. It's really cool and really unique uh, approach to the whole thing. And so it's great to see you building, you know, not just building within the project, but building upon your relationships with your holders and with other members and the respect that you have for them. And obviously, I mentioned, you know, you and I through the OG Collective, I know that they have a lot of respect for you as well. And that's not easily earned, especially in the space. And if it is earned, it's it's not always easy to hold on to. So great job, man. Um, you have any parting words for anybody out there? Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyone feel free to hit me up a DM anytime. I'm here to help. I'm, I'm really friendly with DMs and, you know, I'm all about building, you know, new friends and community. Um, hit me up a DM and, uh, you know, we're here to help. Lots of interesting stuff. And, you know, just thank you so much, Travi, for having me on and, you know, being such an amazing support and an amazing host of this podcast. And, you know, looking forward to supporting you on your journey, brother. Um, amazing. You know, really appreciated it. Really enjoyed today. I, I'd be happy to hang with you you know, more often as much as you're willing to have me on. Um, I think there's so many things we could discuss and, and it would be fun, you know. It was great to talk with Nadim. I hope everybody had a chance to really get to know Nadim, his vision, 
some of what went into his background that made him uh, want to be a better person, not just for himself, but for the world and for Web3. And I think that's a lot of what I talk about is what can you contribute to Web3, but not necessarily just because it's available to contribute to Web3. Like, how can you make yourself a better person and how can you make the world a better place? And I think when you're doing that from a good place, um, I think other people will be able to you know, catch on to your your mission, you know, and, and really see the vision the way that you want them to see it. So a big shout out and thank you to Nadim for that uh, the time uh, and, of course, the vulnerable uh, openness that he approached our conversation with. So thank you so much. Real quick, I want to do one community shout out this week, and it is a big shout out to Avril. That's at A-V-R-I-L-1-5-N-F-T. So Avril just came out with their season two drop. And uh, Avril, if you if you look them up, I think you're going to be extremely excited. If you haven't heard of Avril, it is some really, really cool art, uh, really cool sort of neon. Um, there's different sort of versions in there. Uh, I know that some people qualified to get into a raffle to get a season two. So, yeah, and I know the Avril team's going to be there in London. Uh, it'll be great to meet uh, Tim and Nathan. Hopefully we can catch up. Um, and, you know, if you're wondering sort of who Avril is or, or what Avril believes in, uh, right there on the Twitter, they, they have a, a thread. So this team has been together uh, for over 20 years. They've been friends. Uh, <laughs> they say that they shared some pints uh, and some jokes. Their utility is the art, and I do have to say that some of the most uh, established, some of the most respected collectors in the NFT space are huge Avril fans. Um, That's actually some of the people who turned me on to Avril. Um, I would like to own some Avril. I was a little bit late to the the party. I was uh, finishing, I think it was still my school year when I was teaching uh, when when the first Avril job came out, so I kind of missed that one. But uh, I do admire what Avril's doing. Uh, It's got a, a relaxed sort of a no grind attitude which is really cool they put their family and children first uh, and really really care a lot about the art and i know what they want to achieve is a culture of friends and artists who support one another and so i mentioned a little bit earlier about the og collective and i know many of the og collective members are huge supporters of avril i know avril is a huge supporter um, of the og collective and i hope that we as uh, folks in the space who appreciate art uh, and really want to celebrate the artists um, are able to uh, highlight Avril at some point. So big shout out. That's at A-V-R-I-L-1-5-N-F-T. That's going to do it for our show today. I want to give another big thank you to Nadim. That's at Nadim Crypto. And of course, Nax. I am Nax for our theme song. Also want to say thank you for continuing to have me work on your teams, Diamond Dogs, NFT, and also the council at Crypto Chicks. Lots of great things cooking over there with Diamond Dogs and Crypto Chicks. Hop into the discords, hop into the Twitter. These are some communities that you're going to want to at least get to know a little bit uh, as you grow your portfolio and get into the NFT space. So if you're a builder and want to possibly be featured on this podcast, just reach out to me. I am Travi, Travi.eth, at Mr. Travis Though on the old Twitter. That's M-R-T-R-A-V-I-S-T-H-O. And we're going to keep on staying fired up on the blockchain in this crazy, mixed up, kind of nerdy, kind of cool, brand new world of NFTs and Web3. So everybody, keep bringing one love to Web3. Peace.